Welcome to the Wits Up Women in Triathlon podcast. I'm Steph Hansen, Chief of Wits Up, and I'm in the director's chair once again, but this time for our second episode. So just imagine that you've slid your chair up to a table and now you're sitting with your favorite triathlete and myself. Don't reach for your sports drink or your protein shake. Instead, indulge in your favorite coffee, perhaps a refreshing G&T. Or if an almond milk turmeric latte floats your pool boy, then imagine that one instead. Because this podcast is more than just swim, bike and run. Now, Liz Blatchford is not only one of my favorite athletes, but she's one of my favorite people on the planet. She's equal parts competitive and equal parts hippie. She's a triathlete trapped in a hippie's body. And that's not just because she likes shopping at Tiger Lily. It's also because she's just so grounded, down to earth and chilled. A couple of years ago, Liz asked if I could come to Kona early and help her in the lead up to the big race. I was her wing woman. I joined in her training when I could, so mainly on the easy rides, or if she had hill repeats, I'd do maybe four while she did seven or eight. Despite leading into the biggest race of the year, I noticed that she was definitely one of the most chilled athletes that I spent time with. She's also very humble. Bumping into locals in Kona, they would often ask if we were racing. My answer was an obvious firm no, while Liz would reply with a very polite and humble, I've raced here a few times and I'm back for more. I couldn't help but jump in and let them know that she's actually a multiple Ironman champion and has finished third two times in Kona. She would then laugh it off and then continue to ask the locals questions. Liz Blatchford is humble, but when she races, make no mistakes about it, she's hungry. Please welcome Lizzie Blatchford. Thank you, Steffi. What a welcome. <laughs> oh, Steffi's just going to stick, isn't it? <laughs> um, like and now. what about a nice welcome introduction for me? Steffi, wits up, chief extraordinaire, <laughs> interviewing the women of triathlon all over the world. Doing it's, such a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Not forced at all. <laughs> Um, before we start, I'm, I'm going to um, try this. Uh, this is the first time, so don't don't feel bad. But I've got you a present. Ooh. <laughs> and because I want to get everyone a present each podcast, and I'm hoping that people listen to this so that when I invite you onto the podcast, you might bring, like, if you want, you Bearing might bring gifts. me a present. Yeah. <laughs> that's but, not fair. I didn't get any warning. No, that's okay. <laughs> but you can buy me a coffee or something. Um, so this present, sorry, it's not wrapped. Okay, so I'll just hand it over. Russell, Russell, opening bag. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't take the tag. I off. think we have some little person clothes. Loud and happy. <laughs> yeah, I A little it. loud and happy jumper. Very cute. Well, I hope that your little, your new little mate will know that it's from me. You'll know that it's from me. I'm hoping for a quiet baby, but anyway. <laughs> and play all day. And sleep, sleep all, all night. <laughs> Sorry, the the little play suit says play all day, and I'm just adding sleep all night to the <laughs> to the bottom. It is hopeful. As simple as that. Hopeful. For sure. Very cute. Thank you, Steph. That's that's very gorgeous. I just well, it's <laughs> mainly so that you remember that Kalani Steph's just around the around the corner, like you can play all day and is loud and <laughs> happy. I'm usually pretty happy. He or she, or yeah, whoever I may. Yeah, <laughs> come June. So speaking um, of early June, you are welcoming your first uh, little friend into the world. How's it, how's everything going? Yeah, it's all going really great. Healthy, like um, all the scans are really good. I'm 25, nearly 25 weeks in a couple of days. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been great. It's been a great pregnancy. Wasn't particularly sick. 
Um, just at this point, starting to get a bit of back pain, which is, you know, part and parcel from what I've heard and had to stop running already, which, yeah, not what I hoped, but at the moment, priorities are very different. I'm still able to swim and ride my bike. So, um, yeah, overall, it's exciting times and do not know what to expect, but I sort of do. My sister's got two little ones and obviously I've got a lot of friends that have already got kids. So, um, yeah, definitely paying a lot more attention to what everyone, all my mother friends are doing these days. <laughs> and, and do you speak to the likes of, say, Joycey, for example? Um, yeah, absolutely. I uh, spent some time in Boulder, obviously, over the last few years. And last summer when I was there, Joycey was heavily pregnant. So, um, yeah, knowing that I wanted to have children in my future, I think in the last few years it's just I've sort of been drawn more to, you know, women that are pregnant and asking yeah. more questions just starting to pay more attention. So, yeah, last summer I spent a bit of time with Joycey and, yeah, been keenly paying attention to, you know, how she's going, little gorgeous little Archie. And her comeback, so she's starting to get, yeah, yeah. fit again. All yeah, that yeah, sort of that'll be fun to watch her race again. <laughs> yeah. How, how do you go with, um, you know, going from training with a goal in mind, whether it be a race goal or hitting certain markers in training, how, how do you go with that when that's that's not your goal at the moment? You're just... You're not training per se, it's more exercising. Is that a fair? Yeah, totally. It's what I'm calling it, exercising. I'm doing one thing a day, occasionally two things a day. But um, I still set silly little goals for myself. Um, you know, and you've got to do things within heart rates and, you yeah. know, exertion levels when you're pregnant. But other other little goals that, um, you know, they're nothing compared to what I, you know, do when I'm actually training to compete. But um, at the moment, my swimming goal is like, it's the 130 on the clock like so 130 for hundreds so making 130 cycle is now my goal to stay above so sorry stay below the 130 cycle be able to make that leave time which is something that normally isn't a house you know isn't a struggle but right now is that's my goal to stay below the 130s (laughs) and is it weird looking down and starting to see your stomach oh yeah i mean everyone quite often people talk about how amazing your abs are so you, you, yes. <laughs> Were how could they use to be? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Babies ruin everything. Uh, no, but is it quite surreal? Yeah, it is. And I still, you know, will catch myself in a reflection somewhere and be like, whoa, whoa, that's me. Yeah, like, um, I think you kind of feel pretty normal. Like, um, yeah, like I know I'm bigger and getting rounder, but um, yeah, you see a reflection every now and then or. Yeah. sitting on the wind train and look down and you've got giant boobs and you're like, what the hell? Where did they come from so quickly? <laughs> um, yeah, so it is very different. It's changing, all changing pretty quickly, but yeah, exciting and I'm embracing it and really excited to meet this little one come awesome. to you. <laughs> awesome. And one thing I'm always fascinated about um, with professional female athletes, not just triathletes, is when you when you find out you're pregnant, when, when do you tell sponsors and, and how does that conversation go? And especially, I guess, if you want, to come back or you're thinking about coming back how, how do you navigate that yeah look I think when people announce or tell people is entirely personal yeah for me I wanted to wait until there's a big scan at 12 weeks whether you determine you know a lot of things you know whether it's going to be a viable pregnancy and the like so that's a big milestone for people and I think that's when most people generally announce whether they're an athlete or not so yeah. waited till just after that and the first people I told were close friends and then my team bmc edicts and i you know wanted to make sure they found out direct from me rather than social media or any yeah. other way so um yeah so for me it was just after that it was around 13 weeks i told them um and then about 14 weeks i think glenn and i did a little photograph and um put a little little tiny um, mini bike behind us yeah. whilst we were sitting on bikes and 
sort of announced it that way. Um, Who came up with that idea? Um, it was actually my idea. Really? But, yeah, but Glenn obviously with his um, photography eye just sort of picked the spot and yeah. that sort of thing. So, sorry, Glenn, my husband, he's a photographer. And anyway, it turned out like a pretty little photo and it would be something that we yeah, sort of great. treasure as a first pub announcement. But yeah, it's, as far as approaching the sponsors and telling them, it was something that concerned me somewhat. I was partway through a contract with my team and – you know, a part of me did worry. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to represent my team the way that I should, and what you know, what they value in me, I'm not going to be able to perform for them. So it did worry me, but it's, you know, it's something that I knew I wanted. I knew I wanted children. So when I found out I was pregnant, you know, there was never any other thought rather than um, going ahead with this. So yeah, yeah, I just told my team, and they were just, they blew me away with how supportive they were. They were just both the team manager and the director of sport um they're two brothers and they've both got um children and they were just really really supportive and really really happy for me yeah obviously they have other things that they need to take care of all the team partners um but they you know gave me a week and came back to me and came back saying they were going to be able to support me through this year so that was that blew me away and i was really happy with that and um as all of you guys that are listening no, there's been a bunch of women that have announced pregnancy in the last few months and I'm really hoping that, you know, other women are as lucky with their sponsors or not lucky. Yeah. It's I, I wouldn't even call it luck. I feel like it's almost – it should be that way but it definitely hasn't always been that way in the past. Yeah. Um, it was good to see Gwen do a tweet the other day about Specialized really supporting her through the process of having her first child. So, yeah, yeah I think it's a great initiative and I think – and I hope more – um, sponsors and whatnot will take note and yeah, it'll become the norm. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, and the more, like you say, the more people like yourself talk about it, um, then hopefully others sort of go along the same along the same track. Um, I think it's really important. Yeah, and as athletes, it's sort of up to us to also realise we're not just the athlete that competes out on the field. There's more more to us, and you know, make ourselves valuable in other ways. Obviously, all the women not all the women that compete out there, but a lot of the women that compete out there will have have had or will have children at some point. So they can absolutely relate to what we're going through. So, you know, the training whilst pregnant, coming back after being pregnant, um, having a child, all of that is of interest to, like, a, you know, a great audience of, yeah. you know, these sponsors, potential customers. So, yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> it is good. Um, hey, you mentioned your sister earlier. I want to go back to you growing up. Um, Two sisters. Yep. Talk us a little bit through um, your your relationship with your sisters growing growing up. Yeah, sure. Um, so me, my, well, my, we grew up in Perth, Western yeah. Australia. So my elder sister is eighteen months older than me. My younger sister is three years younger. We grew up and we all got into surf club and swimming as um, young kids. I was actually probably the worst swimmer out of the three of us oh, really? yeah <laughs> and did this come from your parents because I know your mum's uh, very active in triathlon yeah um, well it's funny you say that it didn't come from mum at all my dad was a pretty good swimmer in school yeah right he could swim I think sub 55 for 100 you know and that was training and actually it's funny the stories he tells me about his training he swam in a pool that was 14 degrees celsius I'm like you wouldn't catch and without a wetsuit that's just <laughs> he was just a hard man and yeah. I remember you came to Melbourne at Ironman Melbourne a few years ago <laughs> and there's a pool near our house. You stayed with us. 
and we just swim in it normally, and you you had to put a wetsuit on. That <laughs> <laughs> pool was cold that day, Steph. It was cold, but I come uh, up to your to the pools at your place, and it's it's too hot for me. It's yeah. funny. Well, admittedly, you spend too much time in Queensland, and you do become pretty soft. But <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Back to Dadzy. Yeah, Dadzy. So Dad was like well into sports, a lot of sports when he was younger: rugby, cricket, swimming. Um, kayak paddling, built, like built his own kayak um, back in the day. So, yeah, just dad was the really, really active one, um, played squash a lot as well. Wow. But then I guess put on weight, got older, and his body's sort of given up on him and he's now not particularly active at all. Yeah. And mum, over the years of driving us to training, mum was the kid at school that always got out of PA. She made up an excuse to get out of PA. She was never active as a kid. But as an adult, having to drive us kids to training and sitting around waiting for us, she ended up starting to do some training whilst she was waiting for us. Um, and now, yeah, mum at the age age seven, nearly 70, sorry, she's going to kill me for that, nearly 70, <laughs> um, she's still going around doing awesome things in the West Australian triathlon circuit. She keeps yeah. it short. She, you know, she's not particularly interested in doing Ironman or anything like that. But um, I just love seeing that mum... Actually, she, you know, checks in with me, reports on her training, tells me. And, yeah, I love it. I love to see that mum's super active. I wish dad would yeah. listen to dad. <laughs> get back out there and it would be something they could enjoy together. But, yeah, yeah they just <laughs> got into sport at different times of their life. But Oh, funny. Yeah. So are you giving mum tips? Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah. She's a bit stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> You're making friends uh, with your parents. On nah, podcast. does things her way. Like, and she does it socially too, so she yeah. goes with friends. But yeah, I'll give her tips wherever I can. And yeah, she's always grateful. She's um gets a lot of my hand me downs. She's got two of my bikes now, a few of my weddies and whatnot. So TT bikes or roadies? Just roadies. Okay. Nah, mum's yeah. she's not keen on the TT. Yeah, that's going to be pretty impressive. <laughs> so, I mean, your parents. I love that your parents got into sport in different phases of their life. That's so interesting. <laughs> what, so where do you think your competitive streak comes from? Definitely. Well, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. definitely dad's side. Mum's yeah. just the um, – she does it more socially. She's not competitive. Like she, you know, she gets around and she's impressive to doing what she's doing, especially at her age. But um, no, the competitive side's definitely from dad's side. <laughs> and I think that was, you know, potentially why he's broken his body so much is, yeah. you know, he was competitive to the point of – <laughs> breaking himself so yeah <laughs> definitely more, more dad's side yeah <laughs> and then okay so back to surf life saving um with your sisters mm. you were the slowest swimmer yeah. where, where did it progress from there well i think you know i had that competitive side and i hated being beaten by my sisters and you know it didn't take too long to for me to figure out that i was faster than my sisters on land which if they're <laughs> listening they're not gonna like this but wouldn't be hard because they're useless when you put them on the land <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they couldn't run. So I was like, hey, there's something I'm better than my sister's at. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like running came pretty naturally to me. So after doing a few years of um, surf club, got into a bit of athletics, track running, cross country and the like. And, um, yeah, it was sort of nice to do something that my sisters didn't didn't do. But, yeah. you know, just something that I was different from surf club and swimming. And they got into water polo and I was sort of smaller than them and, you know, not as good a swimmer. So water polo just you know wasn't naturally for me yeah but the running and that sort of thing yeah it worked out better and I think age 14 I did my first triathlon and since the, pretty much since age 14 triathlon's been my number one sport yeah right mm. so would you say straight away you were hooked or did it take a while to warm into the sport um 
it's funny looking back now because that was like 22 years ago trying to analyze your psyche of yeah. myself at 14 but in all honesty I think I liked winning <laughs> and <laughs> found a sport that wow well, like you know I did okay at athletics and cross country and you know won the odd race or was decent in my state or um, and same with surf club but when I went to triathlon I was you know, instantly one of the best, better, better athletes at triathlon. So, yeah, uh, like at that age, I loved winning, and actually not just at that age, but yeah, you know, just <laughs> really enjoyed that side of it, and yeah, being good at something. So, um, yeah. to be honest, that's probably what you know got me hooked immediately. And since then, there's obviously so many other um, aspects of triathlon that I've fallen in love with. But I think at age fourteen, I liked being good at something. <laughs> I love it. So then how did that all fit in around around school? Because, um, you know, I mean, sport at, when you're that age can be quite time-consuming, but triathlon with the three combined sports, how did that fit in with school and socialising and yeah, yeah. all that stuff? Um, well, I was never to the point of, you know, there's some kids that are super elite during school to the point yeah. where they miss school. Um I think, yeah, partly my parents' influence, but it just never really came up that, you know, school would ever be second to sport at that point. So I went through and finished year 12 and sat my, it was called TEE back then, so tertiary entrance exams, and that was sort of always number one. And it was a busy life. Like I often remembered falling asleep in chemistry. Like I would use chemistry as my nap time because I'd been up at, <laughs> I'd been up at 4.30 riding my bike to swimming, swim 5K, ride home and then to school for the day and sort of get tired around chemistry time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I actually sort of would pick and choose which classes I thought I didn't need to listen to that day and take that <laughs> as my nap time. <laughs> um, Did you plan it? Look at it. Oh, it was also the, the teachers that like, let you get away with it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it was kind of like school. It wasn't even that school came first. It was just it was never that I was going to compromise one or the other. I just managed to do both and yeah. – um, whatever level that meant triathlon I could do too than I did and um, went straight to uni out of school and um, started a marine biology degree and did a year full-time and then I think I started to some of the girls that I'd raced against in school so there was Mel Mitchell, Nicole Hackett so some of these some of you guys that have been around triathlon a while will remember those names but those girls that I'd raced against in the all schools triathlon they were doing really well in the to his blue and Accenture series yeah. and I I sort of realized that I'd competed against these girls in school and I was you know I was actually you know up there with them yeah. so that sort of sparked my interest and thought oh, well what if I do this uni thing part-time and you know start training a bit more and that was when I made the move from Perth over to the Gold Coast to train more yeah. more than I was yeah At what age was that sorry um 20 yeah okay. thereabouts yeah, yeah. yeah so right. yeah yeah. So from one side of the country, so for people who aren't don't know Australia mm-hmm. geography very well, <laughs> um, you know, it's a what a five hour flight, something like that. Yeah, I the guess other side of the country. Yeah. Like moving from California to Miami or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I've got no idea. But, <laughs> but you know, you you're quite close to your family. H- how did how did that conversation go? Or at what point did you say, this is what I need to do? Um, oh, actually, I think you've given me too much credit. I think um, <laughs> part of the reason I wanted to move over was, so three of my girlfriends from school who were not triathletes, they were just, you know, really good friends who I actually liked to party with. 
too. <laughs> they were all keen on moving over to the Gold Coast. Like the Gold Coast was just like sounded like a fun place to be, like more happening than Perth. Um, so we all decided to move over together and maybe I sold it to my parents that I was going to train with this triathlon squad. But I did. And I again, I was fitting in so much into my life at that point. I was studying at uni. I was training in this tri squad and I would go out and party with my girlfriends or be the designated driver some nights, <laughs> um, three nights a week. But, yeah, that was kind of it. It just was an exciting time in my life. I don't think I really thought too much about it or planned. I just was like, this is what I want to do and yeah. got some friends to do it with and went, we went, off we went. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Give you way too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I think if especially if you compare it to some of the the kids now, like the junior elites now, things are a lot more structured and they have a lot more um, sort of mentors and advice coming their way and I definitely did not have that at, at that point. Um, yeah. The squad I joined, I, I joined Jenny Alcorn's squad and Jenny was fantastic and she actually is a brilliant coach and mentor and she's still based on the Gold Coast. Um, but she's worked with so many Aussie athletes. She has, she? Yeah. she has. And um, yeah, I actually regret not staying with Jen longer but um, not long after... I think I spent three months in Jen's squad and then moved to an adult squad, like which was all full-time professional triathletes and I was 19 or so and this was um, Cole Stewart's yeah. group um, with Miles and the like back then. And that was really steep learning curve and, you know, threw me into the deep end of being a pro and accelerated me into racing pro. So, yeah, no regrets there either, but, yeah, just not really much thought or um, sort of direction given, even which races I would do. It was just... You know, you live in the moment and, oh, there's a race in Japan. <laughs> Empty okay. your bank account to go there and hopefully you win some money back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And obviously things are very different now. You know, you structure your year around racing, all that kind of stuff. But do you miss that? Like, it, it sounds pretty exciting. Um, yeah. Oh, sort of I miss it. Like, I, I mean, I don't miss the, um, yeah, like I said, just said my first ever World Cup. I think I, I did. I emptied my bank account to pay for the flight to get there. <laughs> and I don't think I even had any accommodation booked or something. Really? And I won wow. back exactly the amount of money it cost me to get there and that money went into going to the next. And I guess at that age it didn't stress me out, but yeah. if I was living that way now at 37, I, I don't think I'd be like, yeah, quite loving emptying my bank account to get to about to a race. But <laughs> anyway, it's, it's good. You know, things have progressed. I've had a, a decent career and managed to – make it a little bit more structured these days yeah <laughs> now it's at this stage that i want to go back to lizzie's choice to study marine biology for those of you who know me i'm a mad seinfeld fan and when i used to be the editor of a magazine my goal was to get as many seinfeld references into each issue if i got one on the cover well that was just pure gold baby so i'll leave you with this as we continue our chatter with lizzie the sea was angry that day, my friends, like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli. I got about 50 feet out and suddenly the great beast appeared before me. I tell you, he was 10 stories high if he was a foot. As if sensing my presence, he let out a, a great bellow. I said, easy, big fella. And then, as I watched him struggling, I realised that something was obstructing his breathing. From where I was standing, I could see directly into the eye of the great fish. Um, yeah, I was into diving a little bit um, yeah. with all my spare time as a yeah. as a teenager. But um, yeah, like did a fair bit of diving around Perth and Rottnest Island and that sort of thing. And 
always loved the ocean and being underwater. And Aren't there lots of sharks out near Rock Ness? Yeah, I've never thought about them back then. I could probably think about them more now. There's lots yeah. of sharks in West Oz, but yeah. anyway, you, I think riding your bike on the road is more dangerous than that. But <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. Like, a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people outside of Australia are like, oh, but there's crocodiles and sharks and <laughs> I don't know, spiders and snakes and stuff. But mm. when I swim, I never think about, I mean, if there was a shark found there the day before, I'm probably not going to go out into the bay. But mm. I agree, it's more dangerous on the, on the road. Definitely, I definitely like. You just need to look at the statistics of yeah. the amount of people that die on the road versus that get eaten by sharks. So, yeah. but yeah, look, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. argument. And yeah. I think people are afraid of the unknown, and especially internationals. Oh, look, plenty of Aussies are afraid of sharks too. But internationals yeah. will be scared of sharks, snake spiders, because it's not something that's known to them. But I'm yeah. scared of bears when I go running in in America, <laughs> and people like bears. I'd love to see a bear, but anyway, <laughs> you're just scared of what you don't know, right? True. <laughs> That's um, a good point. Yeah. What were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> diving. Oh, running. marine biology. Yep. Yeah. So just um, yeah, just had a love of the ocean and like enjoyed the science subjects at school. Yep. So marine biology. The chemistry that you slept through. Well, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. I mean, well, chemistry is not that exciting. I didn't dislike it. I just <laughs> it was a good class to sleep through. <laughs> uh, um. Anyway, yeah. So marine bio just seemed like a, an exciting choice. Something a career that I. Look, at, at 16, when you're having to choose your yeah. tertiary entrance, I think it's hard and it was something that somewhat interested me. Yeah. I think after getting, you know, a couple of years into pro-racing triathlon and putting uni entirely on hold, I realised that triathlon, I was way more passionate about triathlon than I was about being a marine biologist. And yeah. Yeah, so it took me a really long time to finish that degree. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're studying again. Um Talk us through that. Yeah, so I did actually eventually finish that degree. Yeah. And, um, but sort of at that point realized I probably wasn't going to pursue a career in marine biology. Sort of realized that most of the marine biologists that have the good, exciting jobs have actually done a lot more study than just one bachelor's degree. Yeah. So, um, wasn't really prepared to do too much more study. And yeah, probably just realized there was a lot more people more passionate about marine biology than me. But my mum's a school teacher, and I, you know, like I enjoy working with young people. And so I've finished my degree in so that I can do a diploma of education, and I'm doing that part time at the moment. So um, yeah, sort of making the most actually of this this year, not training and racing. Yeah, going through uni, it's a one year diploma of education, and at the end of it, I'll be able to teach kids. Whoa, scary! Yeah, fine. But yeah, science and PE will be my subject areas, and yeah, I'll be able to go into high schools and teach kids. Mm-hmm. You'll be all over the, the kid at the back sleeping. <laughs> won't you? I'll be sympathising. Yeah. Did you go swimming this morning? Do you smell like chlorine? Yeah. You can sleep. Sniffing <laughs> <laughs> there. So okay, so in the future you'll be looking after young minds, the minds of the future, and everything. What what kind of student? What kind of kid were, were you? Were you a bit cheeky? Were you? Were you um, oh, I, I think it was a bit of a mixed bag. Depended on the teacher. You know, yeah. there's some teachers that I respect more than others, and I hate to say that because you should respect all your teachers. Kids, listen, you should respect <laughs> all your teachers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think um, some subjects came easy to me, and um, that was potentially the ones that I said, was saying before. I would sleep through because I didn't feel like I needed to be there. But um, yeah. what that's sort of kid was I? Point. So yeah, look, not. 
not a good student in the fact that I behaved particularly well, but I got good marks and got through all of school, no worries. Um, but yeah, and I guess I managed to balance the sport with it. I don't know what sort of student you would call that. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> I was a cheeky one. Oh, yeah? But was, I was just, I wasn't naughty, I was just cheeky. Okay. But most teachers liked me. Oh, yeah, so it was okay. <laughs> I got away with stuff. The sporty teachers all liked me. Yeah, same. And then, yeah, I don't know, the others sort of left me alone. Do what I wanted to do. <laughs> okay, so back back to family, back to growing up. Who who do you think has has helped shape you as a person today? Not 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 as a triathlete, but you as Ruth Blatchford, the person I see before me. Uh-huh. Um, well, I think yeah, probably a little cliche, but go go back to my parents again. Yeah. They have been super supportive, but never pushy. They yeah, okay. anything that me and my sisters wanted to do or try. Um, whether that be music, sport, academic, whatever, they just would support us. Um, yeah. It was entirely us. They never pushed us in any direction. And, you know, there'd be times where I was almost surprised that I was getting their support because I even thought that I ha- was having poor judgment, you know, choosing this path or wouldn't think it would be something that I would support. And, and yeah, like even to the point of, I guess, boyfriends at some point that we went out with that were total losers and yeah. they just kept their mouths shut. And But I think it's been the best learning curve because you, you don't listen to your parents at that yeah, age yeah. and they were smart enough to realise that and you, the way you learn things is by your own mistakes or yeah. whatever else. So um, Were there ever, I told you, no, I, I knew it, something like that? No, and, yeah. and in fact only probably sort of even 10 plus years later to get that out of them was like oh mom like why why did you let me go out with that loser or you know why did you did you not say anything and she's like you figured it out and and she's absolutely right and I only hope that I can have that much sort of you know quiet support or whatever you like to call it but support without pushing or without yeah you know trying to form my little people too much but just um yeah, have their back and let them figure things out their own way. <laughs> yeah. What do your sisters do? Um, my older sister, she's an occupational therapist. Okay. Yeah, and she's um, she spent a lot of time working over in the UK. Now she's back in Perth. You know, back all my family are over there in Perth. Um, so she's over there, and she's got two little kids, as I mentioned. Um, but yeah, so she's had some really interesting jobs. She's worked in forensics, which is with some like criminally insane people. Um, over in the UK and some of, you know, she, there's a lot of confidentiality, but she, yeah, some of the sort of stories that she has been able to say, like some pretty heavy stuff. So yeah. that's been kind of exciting. And now she's not working with quite so um, interesting characters. Um, but yeah, she's, so she's an OT. And then my younger sister, she is, she's worked in like graphic design um, and, design and that sort of thing for a number of years for a town planning company and just recently she's taken herself back to uni to finish a journalism degree and um, I think has surprised herself she never went through uni straight out of school or anything but surprised herself and just doing really really well with photography now she's getting into that and uh, oh yeah so she's uh-huh. I, I think I'm following her, her photography stuff on Instagram there you go yeah <laughs> so yes yeah, my, my sister and my husband they often ring up and Talk to each other about photography, um, which is cool. It's nice to see them getting advice off each other, and yeah, um, they both have different strengths in different areas, but you know, learn bits from each other. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, she's doing really well with that, and she's looking at going 
um, taking more time off work. She's working for a company, Country Arts Western Australia at the moment, um, but she's taking more time off to do her honours. Um, yeah, so I think at the moment she's trying to you know, choose a topic and wow. do that sort of thing. So, yeah, she's furthering herself and just following what she's really enjoying at the moment. That's awesome. And how often do you, do you get back to Perth? A couple of times a year? Or? Yeah, about yeah. that, a couple of times a year and yeah, try and make, um, especially now since my sister's had her, her little ones, yeah, try and get over and make sure that I see some of my nieces growing up. Yeah, and your parentals come over and visit you a little bit as well. They do. recently, I think. Oh, not yeah. here. Yeah, Why that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, mum and dad, they often came to watch me race, I think. Yeah. They came to Kona. Mum came to Kona all three times. Dad came twice. Um, yeah, and they've come to Cairns Ironman a few times. So that was always a good opportunity to catch up. But aside from that, they're often over visiting as well, yeah. <laughs> much to Glenn's delight. Okay, so you've made made reference to Glenn a couple of times throughout this podcast. So Glenn is your very lovely husband uh, who runs the business Crop Crop Vision, um, and it's it's a really cool story. He's basically taught himself photography and videography, and the thing I love is that he's managed to, you know, he's followed you around the globe to support what you're doing, um, and has created this opportunity for himself as well. And so it's it's almost the ideal situation that you guys can travel together and and almost work together as well even though he's got his I mean his side business is going mental I found a couple of weeks ago he was I think he had like 20 flights in a week or something ridiculous going to different cycling events and everything so he's really doing very well but it surely is the the most ideal situation for uh, a professional triathlete. Yeah it is it's really ideal and there's moments where Glenn and I sort of you know we're traveling somewhere together and we look at each other and we're just like how cool is this we get to do this together and, you know, it was both of our jobs and we're both doing something that we love. So, yeah, we do feel very lucky. And But, yeah, Glenn's worked hard at creating what he what he has. And as you mentioned, he sort of started from scratch and um, just is self-taught. And, <laughs> sorry, microphone just fell down. Can <laughs> <laughs> I get a straight face? <laughs> uh, funny. It just slowly kept falling down. Like, <laughs> we needed that sound effect. Like, <laughs> okay, I think so we're childish. Good. Anyway, back to Glenn. A slight dysfunction of the erectile time. <laughs> not Glenn. No, the microphone. No. Clear not she's pregnant. That's not what we meant. Oh. Everything works. We've gone off topic. <laughs> uh, okay, back to Glenn. So he, um, yeah, back when we first met, I was travelling for a lot of the year racing and I'd, we ended up spending a lot of time of the year apart and we just weren't loving it and it was decided to make a change and I was really I think looking back on it now I maybe didn't realize at the time I was lucky that Glenn was willing to almost 
give up what he was doing full time, working in sort of the outdoor education business on the Gold Coast. He was willing to give up that and take up a lifeguarding job, which was summer, where which was the time that I was on the Gold Coast. And then he would spend the rest of the year traveling with me and supporting me, training with me, doing bag carrying, massage, mechanic, you know, you name it. Glenn did it for me, and it made life that much easier as a pro triathlete. Um, and that was really, really valuable. But, yeah, after a few years of that, he got his first camera and started making some videos. And as just as you said, self-taught, a lot of YouTube videos and Googling how to do things, different programs, self-taught that, um, yeah, I think it's really cool to see his progression over these last five years. Um, yeah, I think there was one of the early ser- – the first time I ever did Kona in 2013, Glenn made a short little doco and you guys, Wits Up, featured it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I love looking back at those old videos and it's sort of, they're not that old, they're only four years old, but, um, Glenn sometimes cringes a little because, because he's progressed so much, you know, he thinks that work is inferior. Yeah. But I actually love to look at it and see, look how far he's come. And yeah, they're the best sort of way to reminisce as well about my, my past races and yeah. you know, places we've been together. So yeah, it's super cool. And yeah, actually as a business, it's doing better than he could have imagined over the last, four years and he's doing something that he loves yeah yeah and just to see his progression um even though and i know what it's like to look back and cringe on them but um they were still great but now there's greatness (laughs) 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 yeah um it's i love seeing i love seeing people be able to create their own Oh, I was about to say create their own destiny. And it's just, as I was saying, I realised how late. You said it. You said it. You've got to stick with it. Create their own destiny. One thing is, I know that you do a lot of adventuring. Like you like to see a place. Um, also because Glenn loves to take his camera and check places out. <laughs> I guess it's hard for you to go anywhere without a photo being taken. But where's some of your, like one of your most favourite places? Um, yeah, look at for different things, I like different places. Like Glenn and I really love Indonesia for holidays and that's yeah. totally outside of triathlon. We love to go there and surf and chill out and, um, yeah, just the really different culture from most of the places we spend our lives living. Yeah. So we love Indonesia for that. But as far as triathlon goes, um, we or I base in Boulder and, yeah, like the riding and, you know, exploring the Rocky Mountains and that sort of thing up there is, is so different from what I've grown up in Australia. Yeah. And so picturesque. Um, you know, it ticks a lot of boxes like that. So we, we also love Colorado. We did a trip through Utah last year, which blew us away. That was amazing. Yeah. Like we just don't have those massive canyons and whatnot in Australia. So that was really, really, really good to see. Um, but if you ask me, yeah, Australia's home and it's, um, the best place in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Look, Australia, yeah, it's just got so much variety and, just so much beauty and whatnot. So, um, yeah, love to explore my own country as well. <laughs> There's plenty more to explore. Yeah, where's one place that you really want to go that you haven't been able to get to? In Oz? Uh, or, or anywhere. Yeah. Let's or, go both. Okay. So, globally, I want to go to India, and this is a point of contention. Ooh. Glenn, for the most part, doesn't want to go on holidays places where there's not surf. So, um, <laughs> there is a little bit of surf in India, but it's not renowned for surfing. But I want to go explore India for the different culture and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, he's not particularly interested. And now I'm having a kid. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but that might be on hold for a little while. Yeah. Um, as far as Australia goes, we've not done the top end 
Um, my parents actually have. They've explored a bit oh. of there. And so that's, yeah, an area I'd like to, like Kakadu and go yeah. through all of that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> One day maybe. One day. With a little mate <laughs> running behind you. Yeah, little mate or two, who knows? Or two. <laughs> wow, this is exclusive. <laughs> Having twins. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> Oh, she's getting ready to get the next one out as well. No. <laughs> um, just to wrap things up, unfortunately, we've got to wrap this up because we've got to go to dinner. Um, <laughs> we should take that discussion. Um, the, the next stage, let, let's assume that you're coming back to, because I mean, you can plan as much as you want, but you just, you can never fully plan for having a child. You know, it's, it will change your life. But I assume that you, you wish to come back to triathlon. And then what would be your goal in terms of when you come back? Yeah, look, that is my plan at this point. As you said, racing after children is a huge unknown. Mm. But, yeah, look, I've seen in the last four or five years a few women do it very successfully. And just the fact that I love what I do and, you know, I'm not ready for it to be over yet. So, yeah, yeah, I intend to get back to racing how quickly, I do not know. Um, But, yeah, next year I'd like to be back racing and just like I mentioned before, so Glenn and I can, you know, travel the world together and yeah. show our, our little one, you know, what we do. They may be too young to understand, just being blue mum. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just I love the lifestyle and whatnot. So, yeah, look, I know which races motivate me. Cairns yeah. Ironman has been special to me. You know, it was my first Ironman 2013 and it's a race I'd like to go back to do, a, do again. And then Kona, obviously... It's something that's, you know, got me out of bed for the last four years. So yeah. those two races are ones that I definitely like to go back to do. Um, and aside from that, I would like to add in some places that I haven't been to just yeah. for the fact that, yeah, you, you know, it's not your whole life you're going to get to be able to travel as much as what you do as a pro athlete. So might as well make most of it. <laughs> nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one more question for you. Uh-huh. What does wits up mean to you? Oh, um, yeah, like a bit like what you said before, <laughs> a bit corny. Mm. I love oh. seeing people <laughs> chasing their destiny or creating their destiny. And I have loved watching your journey, Steph. Oh, um, aside from that, so I love seeing that you're so passionate about it because it's something that I'm equally passionate about, you know, women in triathlon. I think what we were talking about earlier, like not just, you know, women going through pregnancy, but just the whole plight of women in sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just love the fact that you're out there putting – putting in everything to promote us women it's something that i know i am and a lot of other pro women and not just pro women sorry just women in the sport in general are very grateful and that you do what you do so thank you you've uh-huh. you've been a massive supporter since you know day one and i i mean we discussed this all the time so i i really appreciate it um and yeah i certainly get back a lot from you and i you know i bounce a lot of stuff off you as well so i, I appreciate it vice <laughs> versa <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for taking the time and uh, we'll be chatting with you soon. Sure. Thanks, Steffi. <laughs> See, what did I tell you? Super chilled and lovely. Thanks once again to Lizzie for joining me ooh, about five weeks ago now to record this podcast. So Lizzie now currently is about 30 weeks pregnant. Now, I promise this isn't the Wits Up Pregos podcast. After Rinnie and Lizzie have joined us, I don't think we have any more athletes who are pregnant on the call sheet. Although, with whatever is in the Kool-Aid on the triathlon circuit at the moment, I may just be surprised. Again, 
Thanks to everyone for listening and we'll be back next Friday.